that you've chosen to spend this time together. We know that this is an important part of your spiritual walk, your your relationship with Jesus, and we honor that and we are we're grateful that even though we might be separated by some distance wherever you're watching this from, that you get to join with us. We also want to be able to communicate how much we want to actually see you. We want to really actually know you. And some of you who have been joining us in this online space for quite some time, we've never even met. We would love the opportunity to see you face to face, to shake your hand, to give you a hug, to share a cup of coffee with you. And we believe here in Conduit in the tremendous, tremendous power of the gathered gospel community as we together with one voice worship the Lord, as we together with one with one ear, both physical and spiritual ears, open, open our hearing to the word of God being proclaimed in our midst. And when we gather with those who love us and care for us or, and are on the same journey as we are, if you're one of those people that we've never gotten the opportunity to actually physically meet, we really want to connect with you. We want to be a part of your life and we want you to be a part of our lives. And so if that is you and you are you are willing to take that next step in connection with us here at Conduit, we have two options for you in order to connect maybe just a little bit deeper. If you're willing to share your contact info with us in one of two ways or in two ways, then we'll get in touch with you and we'll set it all up. We'll make sure that you have the means to get here or that maybe we can just sit down and have a cup of coffee sometime. Two, two main ways are this. Number one is you can download our app, which can be found on Church Center. Go to Church Center, the Church Center app in the App Store or Google Play Store. Connect with Conduit Ministries. And on the very home page of our app, there's a Welcome Home button, which will take you to a contact information card. You fill all that information and we'll get in touch with you. The second way is to simply just send us an email and say, hey, I would like to connect with you at Conduit. That email address is info at conduitministries.com. Give us a little bit of basic information, your name, your phone number, your email, the best way to get in touch with you. And someone from our staff, either myself or Pastor Luke or someone else, will reach out to you just to get to know you a little bit more. We really, really want to know you more in a more deep way, in a more connected way. And we're hoping that you feel the same way. We love you. And let's go into worship. Morning, but is actually signing up for our new newsletter. So we have just started. Last week we sent out the first newsletter that we were doing. Um, it's called The Weekly, um, something that we had had before and we've kind of brought back. But if you want to sign up, you want to get a video of each week of kind of the details, the nitty-gritty of what's going on here at Conduit so that you don't miss anything, you can sign up for our newsletter through either, you can go to signups on our website or through the Church Center app. You click on signups, there's a signup that says sign me up for the newsletter. You click there and then you'll make sure that you get that email this coming Wednesday when we send that out. Um, and then we've got something exciting happening this next Sunday. So next Sunday, it's going to be a little bit more crowded in here. And the reason is, is because we're going to be having a family Sunday. So Conduit Kids is still going to be open for kids in both the purple and red room, but everybody else, we're inviting the whole family to come and join us up here on Sunday morning. Right? Yeah! <laughs> so it's something new we're going to do. We want to it want to bring the whole family together, have an opportunity for us to worship all together. So um, we're excited about that. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun service. So just be aware of that next week that uh, unless your kids are in the purple or red room, they're going to be sitting with you. And we're excited for all that means. So we want the kids to be worshiping with us and we want it to be a fun time. We want it to be a family time together as well. Um, and then the last quick announcement is if you or your uh, youth child is involved in our youth group, um, next week when youth group meets, uh, they, will be, be, they will be meeting at uh, the Dieter's house. And so uh, connect with them um, so that you can get the address of where they're at. 
because um, they won't be meeting here. They'll be meeting at the Dieters. So um, without, with all of that out of the way, I want to just take a moment to uh, pause, let the logistics of all those announcements uh, set aside as we just kind of focus in here uh, for the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would still our hearts, you would still our minds, Lord, that you would bless and fill Pastor Cameron as he seeks to give us your word for us today. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and that you would make us people who are transformed, not merely just listeners or consumers of the word, but people who are transformed by your word. Lord, we trust that you have the power to transform lives, and we believe in you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Luke. Good morning, family. How are you today? Good. So we are starting a new series today, and uh, the series is in the Gospel of John. As you are coming into the sanctuary, there should be a couple tables at the back of the, the seating sections, the pews here, and on those tables are these booklets um, that uh, Pastor Luke put together for us. He designed and um, designed and did the content for this, and he and Jessica worked to get it formatted and printed for you and in an available format. They worked very hard on this and did a great job. And so our, our hope is that you'll be able to use these little booklets as um, just helpful supplements for this series. It's not, not going to be a super long series, four weeks or five or six. I haven't totally decided yet, but at least four. Um, so, uh, but, but get one of these cause they, you know, if you, if you're a, um, if you're a person who is really interested in, um, you know, there's, there's this, there's this line that preachers often, we try to walk on, uh, or walk down the center of, which is the line between having like an educational mindset towards teaching you about like the the history of the scripture or theology and the background and maybe some of like the literary aspects of the Bible. Um, some things that can be really like deepening to your to your faith in Jesus. Um, we like there's there's that aspect of it. And then in the in the act or the the proclamation of preaching, you know, like we're asking the Holy Spirit of God to work through the message that God desires to bring, which can sometimes be associated with that informational stuff, but sometimes isn't, okay? But nevertheless, it, it can and does remain important, and especially for, for some, uh, really enjoy learning about those aspects of, for instance, the scripture or theology or the faith. And so, some of the things that we've or that Pastor Luke has done in this book is to, in the beginning, like introduction section, give you maybe a little bit more of that information that we're not always going to dissect um, from the stage up here. Sometimes we will, and uh, but but it's a it's a it's a great way for you to to just go a little bit deeper in the 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 book of the Bible that we're that we're studying at any particular time, and. Um, You've, and then the rest of it is um, sections for you to take notes, um, uh, some options for like reading guides and things that you can do to just supplement your walk with Jesus and your growth as a disciple of Jesus and your time in the Word and and the the content that you're that you're offering to the Holy Spirit to use to transform your heart and your life, right? Um, and so. I trust that you'll find that that resource is helpful for for you. And if you have a have you if you have a moment and you're you're blessed by that, make sure you um, tell Pastor Luke and Jessica that um, for for all of their hard work. Um, you'll you've heard me say a lot in the last couple of weeks. My my hope is that um, my hope is that you become people who fall in love with God's word, uh, God's word to you. 
God, God's word for you. And um, God's, God's word to us, his written word, right? His revealed word, his incarnate word is Jesus, right? The word of God is Jesus to us. We're going to learn about all about that today. Uh, but we also have God's written word, which reveals his heart and his character and his mind and his life and his desire for you uh, and for I and for the world and for redemption, right? And um, it's incredibly important and that that you be engaging regularly in God's word. And so we uh, we try to make we try to make that as accessible for you as we can here at Conduit. There are there are Bibles in your in your rows. Um, we all, almost always put the scripture up on the screen behind us. But what we would really like is to ensure that each of you has your own like personal copy of the scripture. And, and then if you do have your own personal copy of the scripture, I really want to encourage you to bring that with you on Sunday. All right. Um, so that I can't tell you how many times like right, wrong or indifferent. I've had this, this particular Bible. It's been rebound once since I had it, but this was given to me as a birthday gift from the first church that I served as their pastor. Um, I think. I don't know, it must be 16 years ago or so, something like that. And so it's the Bible that I've done like all of my devotional reading out of, all of my studying out of, all of my preaching out of. And at this point, I'm really afraid of having to go to a different Bible. Um, and the reason is, it's because I like know where certain verses are on certain pages, right? So I don't even like have to like look at the reference. I just know well, that that verse is on the... It's on the left side of the page in the second column, one-third of the way down, and I have it underlined and starred, and it looks like this, and the pages are a little frayed because my fingers are always there. Anyway, what I'm saying is, is that like, there's an incredible blessing to, um, to being able to study God's Word out of your own personal copy and having that become something that's like an old, comfortable pair of jeans for you that you put on, and it just feels right. Um, and so, if you don't have your own copy of the Bible, like you just don't have one, you've never had one, you've never bought one, you don't know where to get one or whatever, I'm going to give you two options. One, there's a Bible in the pew next to you, steal that thing. Man, like take it home, put your name in the front cover, put a book cover on it if, you th- if you're embarrassed by it, but like those are for you, okay? So if you need a Bible, just take that with you at the end of the day. Put your name on it. It's yours, okay? The second thing is, is that like if you, want, if you want recommendations on a Bible to, like you want to go purchase one yourself and you want recommendations, myself, Pastor Luke, like, like that's, a, that's a conversation that I'll always make time for, right? And I will send you as many Amazon links or Barnes & Noble links as you could possibly want in order to, um, in order to buy to buy uh, your own personal Bible. We, and there's, there's more copies in the back there on the table Jessica's bringing out for you. We have Bibles upon Bibles upon Bibles and we want to get them into your hands. Please take one. Please get one. Please bring it with you on Sunday. I know a lot of you have your own copies and then you leave it at home on Sunday. Okay? Bring it with you. All right? Because I, I want you to be able to see that God's word is accessible, like God is speaking to you through his word. He's not speaking, he doesn't only speak through your pastor to you through his word. Like God, you, like there's, there's no barrier between you and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. On a Monday through a Saturday, it's not just Sunday that you experience it, okay? And so we want you to, we want you to learn how to use this thing, and we want to help to teach you how to learn, um, teach you to use this, okay? So we're in the Gospel of John. There are four Gospels in the Bible. Gospel, the, like the literal translation of the word gospel is the good news, right? And so it's like, these are, this is the good news about Jesus Christ. This is the story about Jesus. 
And we have four of them written by four different individuals. And because they're written by four different individuals, they look a little bit different. Now, John is the gospel that looks extraordinarily different than the other three gospels. And and it's because John's purpose is just a little bit different. All right? So uh, what I'm going to do is let's read. I'm going to read for you. Uh, We're going to read together John chapter 1, the first 18 verses of John's gospel. And we're going to see just how it's different. Now, if you were to pick up and like if you were to turn over to the Gospel of Luke, which is one that we which is one that we often read like during um, Advent, right? So leading up to Christmas, because it has that that really like prolific prose of um, what happened with Mary and Joseph and um, and the the narrative of Jesus' birth, right? Uh, and that Mary and Joseph, they went to Bethlehem to register for the census. And when they got there, there was no room in the inn. And they had the baby Jesus and they were in. You know, it's like, it's so familiar to us. And it makes sense to us that the writer would start the story of Jesus with what? The story of his birth. Right? Because if you were to write a story about yourself, you would start in the early, in the really early stages. Right? Where did John start? And what does that mean for like, what does that mean for like what we're learning about how John is, like what John is trying to communicate to us? This is how John started his story or his gospel about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all people may believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him he came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him yet to all who received him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god children born not of natural descent nor of human decision nor of a husband's will but born of god The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the One and Only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. John testifies to this. He cries out saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, but Jesus has made him known. So, let's just, for a moment, point out 
that this is a really different way of starting a gospel. And it can be, admittedly, it can be a little bit confusing. All right? It can be a little bit confusing because of like the structure, but it can also be a little bit confusing because of the ways in which John, the gospel writer, talks about Jesus, but then you have these sections within, right, like verses 6 through 9, for instance, and then verse 15, where, where another John is referenced, right? And so you have the gospel writer John, who is talking about Jesus, we think, but doesn't use the word Jesus, at least to begin with. And then he's referencing another John within it. And things can get just a little discombobulated a little quickly. Okay? So I hope to be able to offer maybe a little bit of clarity for us this morning that will help us to see why John is writing the way that he is and will help us to see what, like what what the what the point is essentially what what's the point so we want to first understand that John writes differently than the rest of the gospel writers and John is one of the only god in fact he is the only gospel writer who in his gospel tells his readers hey i want you to know something this is why i'm writing this is why I'm writing this thing. The rest of them are just like, they just write their account, okay? But John himself tells his readers, I want you to be sure. The reason that I am writing this is so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. John chapter 20, in John's Gospel, right? John chapter 20, so we're in verse one, or chapter 1, right? If you go over to verse 20, to the right here, just a few verses, or a few chapters. John writes in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. He says this. He says, Jesus did, this is at the end of his gospel, right? Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So John first says, hey, look, man. I picked and choose what I could put in here because all of the books in the world could not possibly fill, or all of Jesus' miracles would fill every single book that could ever be written. There's more here. There's more to Jesus even than what I have written, John says. But then verse 31, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and listen, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. John wants you to know that by believing in Jesus Christ, you can have life through His name. And so, going back to the beginning, right, we begin to see, okay, well, John's purpose is to establish firmly that Jesus is the Christ or the Son of God. That he, has, that he has come from God, right? And that by believing in Him, you may have life. He wants to establish early and deeply who He is. And so He starts at the beginning of who Jesus is. Now, we might think that the beginning of who Jesus is starts in like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the, the, the Christmas narratives, right? But for John, what he wants you, what he wants his readers, what he wants us to be, to like get firmly planted deep down within us is like, is that like the beginning of Jesus did not start in a manger in Bethlehem. That, that Jesus that Jesus existed eternally with God. That Jesus, that Jesus is himself fully God. 
that Jesus is the agent of creation, that by him and for him and through him, all things that are created or have been created were created by him. And he uses this language, right, in the first three verses here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Now, why does John use why does John use the um like the 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 word word? Why didn't he just say Jesus? In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. That would be raise your hand for, hey, John, that would have been a lot more clear. Right? That would have been a lot more clear. Right? Okay. Agreed. Right? I agree. Understand that John, in his initial writing, was not writing to a 21st century social media generation where we're like, hey, man, just get to the point and give us the information that we need so that we can get out of here with the content. All right? John was writing to primarily a Greek-speaking, very philosophical-based culture, not like us, which is very logically based. They were talking about to a very philosophically based, right? And the word that John was using here was a, a way to, that, that denotes or defines the, like, the totality of existence and being. He was describing Jesus in a way in which summed up for his initial readers an understanding that from the very beginning, right, that Jesus existed co-eternally with God. That there was no, that there was no time in which God somehow created Jesus and sent him to earth in some kind of like hierarchy of the Godhead. And so when we, when we approach the Gospel of John, it's important for us to understand the ways in which that, the ways in which John was speaking, but also really like understand it from our own sort of spiritual, philosophical um, point of view, is that what John is trying to communicate here is that if God has a word to speak, that word is Jesus, right? If if anything that emanates from the character and the nature and the heart and the word of God comes through Jesus, that he is the Alpha, right? And the Omega, he is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the agent of all creation. Nothing that was created was created outside of him. And so if we, take, if we take the beginning of the Gospel of John and we ap- apply this like interpretive lens to it where, okay, we've done a little bit of like work so that we kind of understand why John would talk, speak what is us so like confusing. Why don't just use the word Jesus, right? That just makes sense for us. But now that we understand that, we can, for our own benefit and understanding, kind of supplement that word or put it in there. And so John does say some very specific things here in the first three verses. The first thing that he says is that in the beginning was Jesus. What do you mean in the beginning? Where, where else do we see the words in the beginning? Like where's that theme laid out for us? We see it in Genesis, right? In the creation account. In the beginning. The place that we see the words in the beginning is we see them in the beginning, right? Right? And so and so John here was even establishing, he was he was making sure that there was a connection, right? That that in the beginning Jesus was with God. 
That, that Jesus was in the beginning. That Jesus not only was with God, but that Jesus was God. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus what? Was God. And then he, like, as in, as in like a... Um, throwing a bone to those who might not know what he's talking about when he's talking about the word all the time. He goes, he, he was with God in the beginning, right? He, he kind of, kind of opens that door for them. Okay. If you're confused, right? I'm talking about him, the ultimate eternal coexistent him, Jesus. Jesus was with God from the beginning. And then he goes even he goes even further than that. He goes even further to help his readers, to help us understand that Jesus wasn't just some like tag along in the Godhead. He wasn't some, he wasn't some helpful addition to the real God or the, the premium or ultimate or superior or supreme God, but that, but that through Jesus, all of creation came into existence he was the he was the word that spoke existence into existence now um the apostle paul also says like he also like not that he backs up john but he proclaims the same about jesus in colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 20 um, Paul is writing a letter to a church that he had planted, right? And he was um, communicating the supremacy of Jesus Christ to them. And he says these things. John says this. He, or Jesus, first, or Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things are held together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything... He might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through His blood shed on the cross. And so, John is not the only one to proclaim the eternal coexistence of Jesus and Jesus as the agent of creation. So then what does so as as John the writer here in the gospel begins to establish like who Jesus is eternally, he is fully God, he is the agent of creation. Well, what now? What now? And he goes on to say in verses 4 and 5, he says in him speaking of Jesus now, in him is life and that life is the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus is the light that brings life into the world of darkness or into a world of darkness. We're going to come back to that in just a moment, but then John adds like this little kind of like parenthetical situation, um, couple of verses. Verses six through nine, we're like, okay, he kind of switches, kind of switches focus, and he begins to talk about John, and he's talking about here about John the Baptist. Okay, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all people might believe. He himself was not the light; he came only as a witness. 
But the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So he basically just like, hey, pause on Jesus for a second. want to let you know that John the Baptist was a man that was commissioned by God to testify about the coming of Jesus who would bring light into the world. And then period, verse 9. It's like, okay, now we're going to get back to what we were talking about Jesus. Verse 10. And he says this, He, Jesus, was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. This is, a, um, this is an important point. I, and I, I want us to rest here for just a moment, okay? Um, so, realize what John is saying. First, he says, he, he reestablishes that it was through Jesus or in Jesus that all of creation was made, all right? You and I, created by Jesus. If we're taking Paul's word, right? Created for Jesus, right? That he is the, he was the, the central agent of creation. All things were created by him, right? And then he says, but you know all those things and all those people that Jesus created? They wanted nothing to do with him. They, they did not receive him. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, right? His own possession. He created it. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Um, there's an important, an important conversation that I don't know we need to have, or that like. That that every person I think needs to have at some point in their some point in their walk with Jesus, in their life with Jesus. Um, and that's the that's the like the question of whether or not we will choose to follow him. And one of the most one of the most like extraordinary examples of Jesus' love. Of, of the love of God through Jesus Christ is that you and I who were, who were created by God, who were created by Jesus, are freely given the choice to reject Him. And I don't often think that we, I don't often think that we receive that as an expression of God's love. But it, it is an expression of God's love. Free will, the ability to choose or reject, is, I mean, really, like, really close up to the tippy top of the list of expressions of God's ultimate love for you. Because if you think about the nature of love, and you think about the choice to love or to not love, we, we must see our ability to choose, God's willingness to give us the choice as Him saying, I love you so much that I am not going to force you to receive me. I did a wedding yesterday for a couple here at Conduit, um, Justin Teed and Molly Cummings. Well, it's just, Justin and Molly coming or teed now, um, and um, almost always in premarital counseling that I do with couples, that we talk about this kind of reality, and I share this story about my wife as well, and our our marriage this summer will celebrate 18 years of marriage, and I I remember I remember our wedding day, or at least our ceremony very well. I remember like the 
I remember seeing her come. To, I remember the, the church being packed, and I remember it being like sweltering hot, and I remember my face hurting from smiling so much. Um, and um, and so the question then becomes like when you're talking about marriage, we're talking about love. Okay, how do I know? How do I know that my wife loves me? One of the reasons that I know that my wife loves me, probably the primary reason that I know that my wife loves me, is because her dad did not drag her down the aisle, kicking and screaming against her will to marry me and to be in like covenant relationship for the rest of her life. Meaning that I know that my wife loves me because she had the choice to reject me. She had the choice to say no. She had the choice to walk away. And the expression, right? If she was, if she was dragged down the aisle, kicking and screaming, I want nothing to do with this. I do not want to marry this man. I do not choose him. But she was forced to do it anyway. Could I stand up here with any sense of integrity whatsoever and say, hey, me and my wife love each other? I mean, could I? No, right? It's not a decision or it's not a statement that would be filled with any sense of integrity or truth because love in its expression, right, must include the opportunity to reject. Otherwise, it's just abusive coercion. No, you don't have a choice. You're going to love me. You're going to marry me. You're going to accept me. You're going to follow me. And what God has said is like, the ultimate expression of his love is like, I am not going to force anyone to choose Jesus. Because to do so would be, would, would totally flip up on its head the character of God's love for us and would turn it into a coercive, manipulative, hey, look, I'm the creator, so I say you must follow me. You must choose me. You must receive me. You are not allowed to reject me at all. What the word, what John says here is like, hey, Jesus, who created all things, came into a world that was his own, that was his own possession, that was made through him. And that world said, we're good. No thanks. No thanks. It's important for us to understand that freedom to choose is the ultimate expression of God's love towards us. He loves us enough to free us to reject Him. But in the midst of, but in the midst of that freedom to reject is the promise of those who receive. Right? He doesn't just leave it where, oh, like, hey man, do what you want. It's on you. Right? But even what John communicates here right, is this. Look, we read verse 10 and 11. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12. Like, it flips it all. Yet... To all who received him, to those who belong to his name, he gave the right to be children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. What is the promise here that, that, the God, that, John, that John communicates? That, that you have the freedom to choose. And when you choose, when you receive Jesus, when you believe by faith in who he is in his name, that receiving him 
brings a second birth for you that is not of natural means, but that is of supernatural means. It's not of husband's will, it is not of man's decision, not of natural descent, but it is born of God. That receiving Jesus Christ gives you a new birth, born into a new life. That if we're taking John's word seriously, that brings you out of a kingdom of darkness that rejects Jesus and into a kingdom of life or light where you can see life clearly and you are entered into new life with him. And then, of course, is what we're going to talk about in a few weeks when Jesus interacts with Nicodemus, right? How can a man be born again lest he enters his mother's womb a second time? That's what Nicodemus is saying. Like, hey, I don't get this thing. And what Jesus is going to say is like, you're right, you, you don't get it. Right? Because you're still standing back here, right? And you're, you're thinking about this in natural terms. I'm talking about this in supernatural terms. Probably, I don't want to say the most significant, a really significant part of this, right? A really significant part of this section of Scripture, verses 14, or verse 14, okay? The Word became flesh and made His... He's back to using this like terminology, the Word. Jesus became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Now, put your finger on verse 14. Recognize that John now is describing how the situation or the location of Jesus has changed. Up in verse 1 and 2, what does John communicate about the location of Jesus? He's where? He's with who? With God, right? He's far off. He's distant. He's unreachable. He cannot be seen or known or attained. We're just told about him. He's the the guy creating everything. He's way, way, way far away. The Word was God, right? In verse 1 and 2. Now in verse 14 becomes the word has become flesh. And the word was with God. Now becomes the word has made his dwelling among us. Now if you were taking them and just putting them next to each other, you might, you might be forced into a corner of saying that, well, like make up your mind, John. Which one is it? Is Jesus in heaven? Or is Jesus with us? John is not setting himself up to be accused of contradiction, right? These statements actually don't contradict anything. They communicate a co-equal truth that God is infinitely and eternally divine. That, that Jesus existed with the Father from the very beginning. But that now, through a free choice of His own, God, while being infinitely divine, has decided to come intimately close. There is often in the midst of, um, maybe in the midst of life in general, but often in the midst of what I see as a pastor, in the midst of pain, or in the midst of brokenness, or in the midst of um, difficult or relatively hopeless or dark situations, this feeling or this sense that God is far. That God is distant. That God is nowhere near. That God is 
disconnected from the reality of my life. That he is disconnected from the reality of what I'm experiencing and what I'm walking through and what I'm feeling and what I'm, and what I'm going through, right? Because, hey, man, he's way up in heaven just speaking things into existence. I'm way down here like just trying to make, make life work. Like not just be in total desperation mode, right? And if the megaphone of human brokenness could yell anything to God, it would be, God, where are you? Come help us. We need you. Don't, don't create us and leave us here. Don't abandon us to the grave. Don't leave us in our brokenness or our despair. And God's like, you got it, man. Here I come. And if you can picture in your mind, really, maybe, maybe like, try not be blasphemous about it, but like if you can picture in your mind Jesus kind of like hopping off the throne, right? Lifting his garments up and like, running as fast as he can towards Bethlehem in the first century. Here I come. What is the point here? Well, the point is not just like this spiritual application that we like, that we coax out of the text and be like, well, we can take this as a metaphor that God is near us and da 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 and can we do that? Yeah, we absolutely can. And we would, and we should, and you will, and you're going to need to. But listen, what is, what, is actually, what, what is actually communicated here is that God himself, God himself, the one who created all things, the one who is eternally coexistent with the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven, entered into human existence so that God may be known to you and to me. That there, would, that, that there would be no experience of God being far off and far removed and not engaged or connected with the brokenness of life or humanity, but that God enters into the very thing that is tying us to our hopelessness and our darkness and by his own power in Jesus Christ, breaks the chains of death so that that which keeps us from our eternal purpose of knowing him and loving him and walking with him in communion may be done away with and we can experience life with him. Jesus came to reveal to us God's true heart, God's true being, God's true self. And John says that to close our scripture from this morning. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, Jesus, has made him known. Jesus has come to make God known that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, you might have life. Believing in Jesus brings life. That is the promise of a God who is not, um, who would not settle for being far off from you and for I, or from me, but who wanted to come close and did come close in Jesus Christ. That you may believe. No, like. Let the Holy Spirit of God, let the truth of God's word, 
In fact, if you would just close your eyes with me for a moment. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would break down any obstacle that keeps our ears and our spirits from hearing the proclamation of your word this morning. Heavenly Father, we know that you are, yes, you are infinitely divine and holy and other than us. Your glory and your holiness, it knows no boundaries. It sets the boundaries for all of existence. Lord, sometimes, maybe even right now, we uh, experience situations or pain where we feel like you are far away. Father, but we, we read and hear and believe what your word says. That in Jesus... You show us that you have come close, that you are not far away. That you desire to be near. Lord, that you desire us to believe. Father, in this next moment, I pray that you would just reveal to us, each individually, Lord, this area of life where we feel like you are far. Father, reveal that to our hearts now. And Father, if we could imagine ourselves in a large, empty room, all alone, afraid or discouraged, in pain or despair, Lord, I pray that you would give us a vision right now, a Holy Spirit vision. of Jesus opening the door and walking into this big empty space of life that we are in. And coming and standing next to us. Putting His arm around us. Lord, and as we take a deep breath, we know, Lord, that it's going to be okay. Because we thought you were far away, but in Jesus you have come near to us. Heavenly Father, we pray We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would break down the walls of disbelief and unbelief in our hearts. That by believing in the name of Jesus, those who have walked, those of us who have walked in darkness will see a great light. that those of us who have known only pain will know the joy of freedom and healing. 
Lord, we trust the truth of Your Word. We trust the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal its truth into our hearts. That as we believe, Lord, we would have life. Help us, Lord, in our unbelief. We desire to know your closeness to us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come back, uh, to come back up this morning and we'll worship a little bit more before we close out today.